Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the Dream Team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. But, but let's dive into what God has for us. Let's go to Psalm 46, verse 10. I've actually got a very short passage of Scripture to read to you. So let's get that on the screens. Psalm 46 and verse 10, the writer says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to preach to you for the next few moments off of this thought in my feelings. In my feelings. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the moments that we've shared here in your presence. And Father, we just pray now that you would just speak to us here. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. We pray that every distraction would cease, everything that is competing for our attention, Father, that it would be silenced. Let us take the next 30 minutes and really focus in on what you have for us today. And I pray, Father, now that you would just anoint me and allow me to speak, Lord God, what only you would want said in this room. We ask all this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time as you are seated in my feelings. How many of you enjoy keeping up with the cultural trends and, and, and what is cool now and what is hip now and, and the language that is used? Anyone in the room? How many like to do that? You like, you like being up to date. Show me your hands. Like, you like it. You're just like, I like being up to date. I don't, I don't want to lose touch. That, that's me. I, I don't want to lose touch with what is cool. And I, and, I, and I feel like if I can stay as current as possible, it makes me feel a little younger. It just makes me feel a little younger. How many know what I'm talking about? When you just know the lingo, you know what's cool, you know what the kids are talking about. Every now and then I'll say something to my son, Jaden, and he's 10 today, by the way. My, my firstborn kid is 10 years old. Wow. Wow. Double digits. But sometimes I'll say something to him in the car, and, and when he grins and he kind of looks at me like, Dad, how do you know that I know I've won? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I got him. But... But, um, you know, we, we, we notice how these trends come and go. How many have seen how trends come and go? Just on Friday, my wife and I, we were in Arizona. We were out for the weekend celebrating with family, celebrating. And uh, we walked through a department store. And as we walked through a department store, we couldn't help but notice that they had racks full of tie-dye shirts. My wife's like, can you believe that tie-dye shirts are coming back in again? So I, I don't know, some of you that are younger in the room, I know you might think that's new, but that's not new. That's old. That's like old, old. You know, back in my day, we had tie-dye shirts. How many of you rocked a tie-dye shirt? Come on, be honest. How many of you rocked a tie-dye shirt? Yeah. How do you remember those body glove shirts where you would put your hand on them and they change colors? Do you remember those shirts? Come on now. Y'all don't know nothing about no body glove shirt. You know what I mean? You'd put your hand up on it and it would change color. That's my generation. And so my wife's like, can you believe that tie-dye shirts are coming back? I said, I know. I think I might get one. They're pretty cool. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. Um, but we're seeing them come back. And, and isn't that how fads come and go? They come and go, and then figures of speech, they also come and go. And, and the one figure of speech that I've used for my sermon title today, In My Feelings, is something when I first heard it, it made me laugh. I'm like, what in the world does it mean to be in my feelings? So I did what every good preacher should do. I went to Urban Dictionary. 
Every good sermon starts in Urban Dictionary. Um, so I go in Urban Dictionary. I'm like, what exactly does it mean to be in my feelings? And to be in my feelings simply means that you are really thinking deeply about stuff. You're, you're processing. You're, you're pausing on, on what's going on to stop and really think things through. So someone might say, I can't go out tonight because I'm in my feelings. And that means I just got to stop. I got to pause. I got to think things through. I'm just upset or this is going on or there's shifting, there's changing, there's all kinds of commotion going on in my life. And so today I'm in my feelings and that just means I'm thinking things through. I'm trying to process these things. And I like that figure of speech if I'm being honest with you. I, I like to be in my feelings. I, I, I like that language because at, when you think about it for a second, I think that we don't do enough of stopping and thinking about things. I think that we as a culture are moving at a very fast pace. Have you noticed that? If you've ever been to the South, and especially us from the West Coast, the best coast, come on, y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. When we go to the South, the first thing we say is, man, it is slow right? They drive slow. They talk slow. They serve your food slow. Everything's just slow in the South. And uh, it's, it's not a terrible thing, but I've just noticed that about the South. But I appreciate now more than I used to before just stopping, just pausing and thinking before responding. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I, I, I've got the gift of gab, as you've already figured out, being a communicator. But I'm one of those guys that if, if you start making fun of me, man, I'll cut you back deep. You know, I'm just one of those guys where you might make fun of me and I'll get you back. And, and before I had Jesus, I'd cut real deep, get cut real deep. Some of y'all don't look at me that way because you're the exact same way, too. If, I, if you slid into my DMs, we started, you know, chopping it up, we, we, we'd say some things, right? We'd say some things. And I almost feel like as a culture, and there's a lot of Hispanics in the room, in the Hispanic culture, um, you know, you see a lot of that, don't you? It's just, they cut hard. You see some of that, too, in the African-American culture, too, right? Everyone's got a nickname. We just cut each other up, and, and we're quick with it. And my wife says, you're quick with it, Josh. I mean, someone will say something to you, and you go quick with it. And, and I do. Um, and, I, and I have done that. And I, and I could be quick with it. Um, call it the, 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 the gift of gab or the curse of gab. Because that used to get me in trouble as a kid. Anyone else get in trouble because you said things without thinking it through? Yeah. Something made me laugh the other day. It was a friend of mine. He posted something on social media, and it, it showed a guy, and he was sleeping on his driveway. I mean, he had the whole thing, like he had a sleeping bag, he had a pillow, and he had his dog, and he's sleeping on his driveway, but he's got the biggest smile on his face. And the caption said, this guy won an argument with his wife. <laughs> I thought, that's great right there, right? I mean, that sometimes winning isn't everything. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? That seasoning. See, I got 15 years of marriage under my belt, guys. I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's just better to, you know what I'm saying? Just do, be quiet. Just be quiet. I was listening to a podcast. Someone said, how does it feel beating the person that you love the most? Wow. I was like, when she put it like that, it's like, yeah, you won the argument, but how does it feel knowing that you've just put your wife down? I was like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. So sometimes, you know, you might have that gift. You're quick with the responses, but maybe you ought to stop and think about something before you say it. Maybe you ought to process for a moment. Maybe you need to get in your feelings and think things through and not just say whatever comes to mind. You could be right or wrong, but either way, it's like you do it to the wrong person, you're always wrong even when you think you're right. And so, I, I, I think that when you talk about being in your feelings, I, I, I love this, and I love this passage of Scripture when it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still 
and know that I am God. Because if you read the entire passage of Scripture in Psalms 46, and I read a lot of Scriptures to you, and I thought today I'm going to just hit him with one Scripture today and, 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 and not, not hit him with so many. But if you read the entire passage of Psalms 46, the writer is boasting about God. He's bragging about God. He says some things like this. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I mean, that's some big language, right? It's like, it's like the mountains are moving, and I'm not going to be afraid. That's what the psalmist was saying. The psalmist was saying, all hell is breaking loose, but I'm not going to be afraid. The psalmist was, bag- was bragging about his God. And, and, and he, he also said that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. How many found God to be a very present help in a time of trouble? I love the language that the psalmist says. It's in there. Psalm 46, your homework assignment is to go and read all that because he's just bragging about God, bragging about God. And then he gets to this part where he says, so be still and know that he is God. He he pontificates and he sets this whole thing up, letting you know just how good God is. And what is your response to contemplating the, 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 how big God is? And, and what should your posture be when you consider how mighty God is? Your posture should be to be still and to know that he is God. To just stop and know that he is God, that word, be still, if, if, if you look it up, it, it literally means in the Greek, it, it, it's that language that says to cease from what you are doing. To, to, to stop the thing that you are doing. And what I've learned in serving God, and I've been preaching now for 21 years, what I've learned in that time of not just preaching, but devoting my life towards God, is sometimes the best thing that I can do is get out of God's way. I've learned that sometimes the best thing I can do is move to the side and let God fight my battles for me. Sometimes the best thing I can do is keep my mouth shut because God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm too busy sometimes thinking about how I can get people back and God is saying, Josh, step to the side. I got this. I got this. I got this. And I've learned that sometimes the only thing you can do in the midst of the hell and the chaos of your life is to be still. Now that's not always easy, is it? How many of you guys just enjoy fixing stuff? Where are all my fixers in the room? Like you, if there's something broken, you just like, let me, let me fix it. And now, now wives, now don't shame your husband right now if that sink's been broken for like five years, okay? You're like, you better put that hand down. <laughs> you ain't fixed that sink in five years. Goodness gracious. Gets real humbling real quick, huh? Fix that sink and then come out of the room looking like Nacho Libre. You'll feel a hundred times better. You know what I mean? Like, I did it. And, and that's really hard because some of us love to fix things. And God is like, would you stop and just let me do it? Would you stop? Would you pause? Can, can, I, can I get you to cease? There's, there's, how many of you met men like that that are just non-stop? You ever met anyone like that where they don't know how to stop? There's just no off button. There's like a generation. They're kind of like a dying generation. But there's a generation of men like that and, and women where they just go. They don't know how to stop. They just go. As a matter of fact, um, when we were celebrating a baptism at one of the young men of our church, he got baptized. And we were at his family member's house. And, and there's his dad in the back. I'm like, yo, 
You know, we're having a party celebrating a baptism. I'm like, yo, what's your dad doing in the back? Because I'm probably planting a tree or something. That man doesn't stop. It was incredible to watch. I was like, the whole family's here, but he was just working. But the, that's like a generation of people that are like that, right? They just move. They just go. And it's hard for them to stop. And if I'm being honest with you, there are times where I found it very hard to stop producing. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't fix sinks and I don't plant trees. I don't do anything like that. But, but, but I do process a lot, and I love to lead, and I love to think about leadership, and I love to advance the church, and, 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 and I'm constantly thinking about what can we do to move the church forward, and what kind of content can we produce, how, what, what's the next sermon series, what's the next thing that God's doing, how do, we, how do we tap into that, and I've learned the importance of stopping, and here's the first thing that I want you to write down, directed and intentional rest will reduce your feelings of anxiety and loneliness, we're talking about loneliness. Because in all of that busyness, you can become more lonely and more anxious. Science has shown that in all of your doing, you increase the likelihood of you being anxious and you increase the likelihood of you feeling lonely because you never stop. And so it's this nonstop going. It's this nonstop consumption of information. I consume a lot of information, sometimes too much information. How many like that? You just like know stuff. You just like always down. I love to read. I love to read the news. I love to know what's going on. And my wife will be like, Josh, what's going on with such and such? And it's like, just rattle it off, you know? Just like, oh, is this thing's going on? Da, 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 da. My wife, she'll do that. She'll be like, Josh, you need to learn all about this coronavirus. Figure out what's going on, you know? <laughs> okay, we just ain't going to go to China, honey. That's what we're going to do, all right? We're not going to go to China. We ain't going to eat Chinese food. I mean, nothing. We're not going to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Nothing. Nothing Chinese. We ain't doing it, okay? That should work, you know? But, but, but many of us are just going, and, and I read, and I can't help it because, you know, I put my kid down to sleep every single night. My, my little Jackson, my little Jackson, he always says, Daddy, cuddle with me. And I do that because he's my baby because, you know, they're all getting older, and eventually they're not going to want to cuddle. So I take advantage, and he's like, Daddy, will you cuddle with me? So there I go, I'm cuddling with Jackson, and, um, and what I'll do is I'll put my hand on the bed, but I'll typically flip to the news, and I'll start reading the news on my phone because I'm just in this state of, like, consuming, consuming, consuming. And I've caught myself, and I've thought, you know what, why don't you just stop and be present in this moment? Why, why, why don't you just stop? Because as a culture, we are pushing more information into your minds. Listen, social media, you want to know what social media is really all about? It's all about getting your attention. That's it. Advertisers know if they can get your attention, they can get your dollars. But before they get your dollars, what they really want is your attention. Can I just get your attention? If I get your attention, then your dollars will follow. So they want your attention. They're competing for your attention. There's this, there's this battle on social media and anywhere they can really get your attention. That's what they're after. Can they get your attention? And, 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 and it's going fast, isn't it? Society is going so fast. This is so funny to me, but I love it. Society is going literally so fast that God had to raise up a rapper <laughs> by the name of Kanye to have an incredibly dynamic experience and a change of life to tell the United States of America, slow down. I mean, he, Kanye has this life-changing event and he writes a song called Closed on Sundays. And that entire song is about taking rest. I don't know if you listen to that or not. I'm giving you permission to listen to it, okay? Especially if you got kids because he sings about Chick-fil-A. I mean, listen to the lyrics of the song. He says, hold the selfies, put the gram away, get your family, y'all hold hands and pray. You think that was the Apostle Paul. No, that's Bishop Kanye, okay? 
He's saying, put the phone away, okay? Don't take any more selfies. Just be with your family. And I think it is so wild that God would use someone like Kanye to address the cultural epidemic that we are moving too fast and that we have got to slow down. Closed on Sundays. You're my Chick-fil-A. Come on. But, but that's where we are as a culture. I mean, that's literally where we are as a culture that we've got rappers in the music industry telling us now we need to take it easy. We need to spend more time being present. We need to slow down. And as a matter of fact, what, that, that, that first point, the directed and intentional rest, um, will reduce feelings of anxiety and it will reduce feelings of loneliness. Now, now, now that's science, but, 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 but do you want to know? And I, I talk to you about this all the time. What I love is when science confirms the scriptures. My next point, science reveals the importance of keeping the Sabbath. Let's talk about the Sabbath for a minute, okay? Because, like, what in the world is the Sabbath? So you might hear someone say they took a sabbatical or I am, I am observing the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was first observed on the seventh day of creation. So if you go to the book of Genesis chapter 2, let's put that up on the screen. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. God creates the world in six days, whether figurative or literal. I'll let you process that and come to your own conclusion. But God creates heaven and earth and all the world and all living beings in six days. And then on the seventh day, what does he do? He rests. He takes a break. Now, this is something you need to get. Anytime God does something that he does not have to do, think about that for a second. Did God get so tired that he needed to take a rest? No, he's God. God doesn't need to take a break. But anytime God does something that he does not need to do, he does it for our benefit. Catch that. Anytime you see in your Bible Jesus or anytime you see God doing something that he does not have to do, he does it for your benefit. Think about that for a second. Remember when he was on his way um, there to Jerusalem and he said, we need to go through Samaria. And the disciples like, we don't need to go through there. He's like, oh, yes, we do. We are going to go through Samaria. And they're like, no, you don't understand, Jesus. That's literally going out of the way. And he's like, that's exactly why we are going through Samaria, John chapter 4. And what does he do? He gives us John chapter 4 because he does an expository sermon on what true worship is all about. He did that for your benefit. Anytime he does something, anytime God does anything that he did not need to do, stop, pay attention, consume it, and ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me? Because he doesn't need to rest. But he, did, he, he rested on the seventh day because he was trying to teach you to rest. And, 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 when, and when the Israel nation first observed that God would rest on the seventh day of creation, they said, if God rested, then we should rest. And they, they, they created something called the Sabbath, and they made it a part of their law. Let's get that scripture up in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 9. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. To Sabbath means to rest. In it you shall do no work, um, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservants nor your maidservants nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. So the, the Israel nation, they observed that God rested and they made it a law. 
Now, we don't fall. Now, I'm not teaching on the Sabbath from the perspective of the law. I'm teaching Sabbath, and I'm talking about the importance of rest because it was God who first demonstrated rest. Now, just because it was made law doesn't mean that we shouldn't touch it because we know that God fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, but I'm talking about the importance of rest from the place of principle, of how we have got to directly and intentionally stop and take rests. You're feeling lonely because you never slow down. You're feeling anxious because you never slow down. Your marriage is feeling worn out because you've not taken a break. You've not called someone to watch your kids so that you could date your spouse. And your marriage is feeling like a hamster on a wheel because you are a hamster on a wheel. And I'm trying to help you feel less lonely by telling you to take it easy. I'm trying to help you feel less anxious by getting you to understand that you have got to slow down. The feeling of loneliness and the feeling of anxiety comes from you doing too much and not doing enough to rest. Let's get, let's get the cognitive triangle back up on the screen. I showed this to you. I showed this to you last week. It's called the cognitive triangle. And the cognitive triangle simply states that your thoughts, what you, what you are thinking, begins to impact your feelings, which will then impact your behavior. So thoughts become feelings and feelings become choices. And, and many of you are trying to fix choices or behavior. You're trying to modify your behavior without, without freeing yourself from feelings that come from thoughts. This is what makes holiness churches miss the bat because they're trying to modify behavior without first talking about thoughts and feelings. I don't care what you modify in the behavior. If you've not changed the mind of a person, then you're going to eventually they're going to they're going to be bound to repeat that behavior all over again. And, and and I grew up in a church where it didn't matter how broken you were, if you just put a dress on and took the pants off, that would fix your problems. Not so. Not so. And I grew up in the type of church where we try to modify your behavior without teaching you how to renew your mind. And the word of God says, be ye transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. It doesn't matter what you do on the outside. If the mind's not changed, you're bound to go back to the same place of sin that you thought that you're coming out from. The prodigal son was literally eating, and I'm another passage of Scripture in the Bible, but there's a story of the prodigal son, the son that took all of his inheritance from his father and ran away to a distant land. The Bible says when he spent all of his money, he was eating pigs' food. That's how bad it had come. It got to the place where the prodigal son was eating pigs' food, and then it says he thought to himself. It began with a thought. He said, he, the Bible says, he thought to himself, the slaves in my father's house have it better than me. I'm going to go back to my father's house. But it always begins with a change of thought. It always begins with a change of thought. And so I don't care what your conviction is. If it didn't first start off with a thought, you're bound to go back to where you came from. So don't just fix the behavior. Fix the feelings by fixing the thoughts. And I want to help you fix your feelings because last week, if, and if you weren't here last week, we talked about all about catching our thoughts. Today I'm talking about feelings. Tomorrow, next Sunday we'll talk about behavior. But, but what I want to get you today to understand is you have got to slow down to fix your feelings. As you catch your thoughts in, in periods of Sabbath when you are resting, then you can deal with feelings. Feelings. 
You can really put pause on this world and begin to think about why am I feeling the way that I am feeling? When you get into a place of Sabbath, when, when you directly and intentionally say, I'm going to pause to this world and I'm going to now focus my attention to Christ and I'm going to give myself some rest. Not only are you going to capture those thoughts, but you're going to get those feelings and now realign those feelings with God's word. You realign your feelings with God's word. Like we said so many times at this church, we don't want God to get on our side. We want to get on God's side. Okay? Some of y'all praying, God, bless me, bless me, bless. God's like, you know, if you just get in my wheel, you're going to be blessed. You know, quit, quit asking me to fix your mess. Just, just get to my plan for you. And if you get in my plan, when my ways are better than your ways and my thoughts are better than your thoughts. So too many times we're praying, we're praying, God, would you bless my plan? And God's like, how about you just slide over to my plan for you and you'll know that it's blessed. Okay? And so in, in, in periods of Sabbath, when we slow down and stop, what we are doing is we are realigning our feelings with what God says they should be aligned with. Now, is it okay to feel afraid? It's okay to feel afraid, but it's not okay to live in fear. And there's a totally different thing from feeling afraid and living in fear. My boys will sometimes feel afraid. That's why I still got to put them to bed at night. That's why they want their little cuddles, right? It's because they, they still feel afraid. But, 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 but in the natural, there I am rubbing their back, and, and, and they go to sleep, and they go to sleep, and they're no longer afraid. Because they know that their father is there with them. When you get into a place of Sabbath and you slow things down enough for you to be alone with God and to have an intentional space with God, you can walk into a meeting with God feeling insecure. But when you walk away from the father's presence, how many of you walk away feeling more confident than you've ever felt before? Because that's what happens when you get into the presence of the father. You can walk into your Sabbath feeling anxious, but you can walk away from your time with the father feeling peace. The Bible says he will give you a peace that goes greater than all understanding. You can walk into a, po- a moment with father and feel worry, but how many ever walked into a service feeling one way and walked out of a service feeling so filled with hope? I mean, I, I got so much hope in my life. I just needed to get into his presence. You can walk into his presence feeling fear and walk out feeling brave. There is an exchange that happens in the Lord's presence. When you walk in with your feelings, okay, and then you align your feelings to God's word. And you align your feelings to God's word. But the only way you're going to do that is if you have enough sense to slow it down. I, I need to pause. I need to take a break. I need to Sabbath. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. Listen, some of y'all, you need to stop doing so much. Some of y'all just doing too much. Doing way too much. And, and, and I get it. It's trial and error. Last fall, my... My wife and I, we did something. We said, okay, we ain't never doing that again. Um, but last fall, we, we, you know, both of my boys were, were paying, playing sports. And so I had them each on a soccer team. And then they were doing extracurricular, extracurricular things at school. I mean, we were running so tired at the fall. I said, never again are we doing that. I'm like, boys, you all taking turns, okay? One of you's playing, one of you's cheering this, all right? And we'll flip-flop it. 
And, son, and my son Judy likes doing a lot. It's like I, Judy, I, I'm finally letting Jude go and do what God's created him to do, okay? He's playing football starting next month, okay? Because God created him to crack heads, apparently. Just kidding. But, but, but my boy loves it. He loves it. He loves it. So, so we're going to let him play football. But, you know, it, it, it's like, Dad, I, I want to play soccer. I'm like, sorry, son, you're playing football, okay? Um, you're not going to be Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders in my life, you know, playing two sports. No, sir. You're going to do one, and when that's over, we'll do another one. And, and, and I'm speaking from my situation, but think back about the times in your life when there was just too much stuff going on and what it did to your marriage. Didn't have no time to t- date your wife. Didn't have no time to buy her flowers. Didn't have no time because you were running ragged, running ragged. And, and, and you cannot allow yourself to run ragged, and you cannot. And I'm talking as a young father in this room. Parents, listen to me. Do not allow your children to run you ragged either, okay? They don't need to be part of every single club sport known to mankind, all right? I get it. They, I mean, they hit a t-ball, they, they hit a home run in t-ball, and you think you got the next Alex Rodriguez on your hands. I get it. You're like putting him, coaching all of that. I'm not saying any of that's wrong, but I'm saying watch it and, and just be careful with it, all right? Just saying that with all love, with all love. Is that stuff good? Absolutely. I love the fact that my boys are in sports. Absolutely. But I watch just how much they're doing. I just watch how much because they can't be doing robotics and chess club and soccer and baseball and football. You get what I'm saying? It's like it's just too much. It's just too And And where are the times where we just stop? And, and, and so it is in Sabbath when we stop, we realign our feelings, and we say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling lonely, uh, I'm feeling worn out, I need, I need to stop doing so much. And I'm, and I'm coming to a close with this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing too much. And, and what Sabbath does, this is my last point, Sabbath is switching off from the world and switching on to God. That's what Sabbath is. Because some of you might be wondering, okay, you've talked a lot about taking a rest. But what does that mean? Pastor, practically, what does that even mean? Here's what it means. Decide what day is going to be your Sabbath day and take all the social apps off of your phone. You know, once you delete them, you could reinstall them. They'll come back. And your friends will come back with them, okay? Um, but, yeah. Um, delete them off your phone for a day. Just not today. I'm just going to rest. I'm just not going to do it. No television for the day. Today, I'm just not going to do that. Today is going to be a day of rest. I'm going to switch off from the world, and I'm going to switch on to God. I'm going to switch on to God. I, I, I read a book, and, and this is a book recommendation um, for everyone in this room. Um, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you are feeling hurried, go read that book, okay? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. That is an incredible book that really opened up my eyes. And, and after I read that, I realized that I was lacking in certain areas of my life, and I wasn't creating enough intentional space to rest. And so now that I've, now that I've created this intentional space to rest, I have more time to do the things that I deeply value, and I'm making more time to do the things that are going to make me be a better pastor. And so one of the things that I, that I wasn't great at, and I'm just talking from my, this is me, but as I sp- speak about me, think about you for a second. One of the things that I wasn't great at was I wasn't reading at a pace that I thought that I should read. How many of y'all struggle with reading books? Yeah, some of y'all that that just are in it, God bless you. I mean, it just worked for me. But I was so proud of myself because I'm on my seventh book of the year. I know we're only in February, and I'm like, seven books in already. Why? Because I, I started cutting out the slack in my time and directing myself to rest. And in those times of resting, I'm reading the Word, and I'm reading books. I'm reading the Word, and I'm reading books. And, and I'm slowing down. And, 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 you know, I just feel better. I feel better when I'm going at a slower pace. 
When, when, listen, when, when, you're with your, when you're with your children, put your phone away. Be present. When you're with your family, put your phone away. We got, this, we got this thing that we do with our family now where when you come to the dinner table, no electronics come to the table. Nothing, okay? Now, you got kids that have switches. You got kids with iPads. I mean, trust me, my, I, my boy's got a generous grandma. I mean, she's too generous. I mean, like, she bought each of them iPads. I'm like, Mom, you know, that's their boys. Just let them, let them, let them. You know what I mean? And they, they, they come with their iPads to the dinner table. I'm like, you better get that mess off the dinner table. Why? Because we're teaching them. Well, when we're, we're in these moments, we're going to be intentional. We're, we're, we're not bringing electronics with us to the dinner table. We're going to be very intentional about our time. We're going to be very intentional about taking the rest that we need. I'm trying to help you combat anxiety. I'm trying to help you combat the feeling of loneliness. Be, be present. Husbands, be present with your wife. What? Figure out what her love language is and do it as hard as it is. As hard as it is. You want to know what my wife's love language is? This is her love language. Me driving, around, me driving her around to the stores. That's her love language. I'm more like, can I buy you something? She's like, no. Just drive me to Costco and then drive me to Target, you know. Drive me to Home Goods. Drive me to Kirkland. That's all I want from you. That's like my wife's ultimate love language. And to me, I'm like, I could, could, could I waste any more time today? You know, it's like, can I, I feel like I'm just wasting time. Like, I want to do something, you know. I'm just driving you. Driving Miss Joanna, you know, that's me. But that's your love language. Figure out what your spouse's love language is and do it, even if it ain't yours. And I think it's funny how God will give you your spouse and it ain't your love language. I think he does that just to keep you humble, doesn't he? It's like it would be, it would be too good if, like, your love language was the same as your spouse's and you can just be in love altogether. No, nah, he don't do it that way, does he? It's, it's all mixed match, and it teaches you humility, and it teaches and keeps you in prayer. It keeps you in prayer. <laughs> um, that, now, let me, let me wind it down with this. Let me, let me wind it down with this. Even as I'm preaching this message right now, my, my hope is that some of you are waking up to the areas in your life where you're like, I'm just doing too much here. I need more rest here. I, I need to slow down here. I need to take a pause here. I, I, I need to insert more of God here. That, and, and, and whatever it is in your life, I, I pray that you would walk out of here with the boldness to go and make those changes. And, and listen, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It, it is. It is. And, and, and you will have to sacrifice some things. When, when I decided that I'd had enough, that I, I needed to make more time for rest and Sabbath, and I needed to shift my schedule, I had to, man, I had to let go of some things. There, you know, um, Pastor Phil kind of alluded to it a moment ago. A moment ago where, you know, I, I liked doing endurance sports, but in particular tri triathlon, that was like where I found uh, a great outlet for energy. And, um, but I gave that a proper burial in January. I told my wife, I said, I don't think that thing is ever coming back. Because when we started the church, I, I knew that I was going to take a year off. And then I realized that just the, the demand for my time, I mean, trying to train for three sports, really, you got to train to be a swimmer, train to be a cyclist, and train to be a runner. And then you should be lifting weights too. It was like just too much just got to be too much because uh, there was a time, there was a season in my life where um, I was very competitive with it. And every single morning I'd get up at 4.30 I'd go swim in the pool. Get up in the morning and swim, swim, swim. Put in about a good 90 minutes of swimming. That was, that was workout number one. You know, you have breakfast, um, 
and get your day going. And then you got to somehow find in a second workout to either get on your bike or to run. But it's two a day, every single day. And that was just a grind. But as much as I wanted to get back to that, I realized that every single morning, the, the discipline that I used to have to train for that sport, I've now, re I've now reset that time to train for you all, if you will. So every single morning I'm getting up, I'm making my coffee, and then I'm having quiet time with God. How many you know that God enjoys a cup of coffee? No, I'm kidding. Um, that was all for me. Um, but, but every single morning, and I, you have to do what works for you. And, and did I have to sacrifice? Absolutely. I let something go. I said, baby, it's gone. I'm going to give it a proper burial. I mean, I literally, like, started unfollowing people that are in that sport because the more that I saw them, the more defeated I felt. I'm like, you're such a loser. Look at them. Everyone's cycling and running in your home. You know what I mean? It was like I had to, like, start to detach. So you might have to detach from some things. But I've never felt better. I've never felt more rested. I, I've never felt, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my anxiety calm. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Because anytime you're feeling, have you ever been in a place where you're just feeling anxious and your shoulders start to tense up and you're thinking too much? And, ah, stop. Pause. You know what that is? That's anxiety and that's stress. And you know, let that go. Because that's going to, that's going to make you feel lonely. Nobody knows the struggle that I'm living through. Nobody knows the stress and anxiety that I have. They do. They actually do. But here's what you can do. Just not allow yourself to go there. Just don't go there. So my call today is that, my prayer, is that you would figure out what is the thing that you've got to let go of. Don't try to add it on top. Oh, great. Now pastor says I got a Sabbath. I got to add that to my busy life. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. There's things that got to go, okay? You got to identify the things that go, that need to go, and put your Sabbath in. You get what I'm saying? I'm not talking about adding it. I was already busy, Pastor. This church is stressing me out. No, no, no. What's there that doesn't need to be there? Get it out of there and make more time to slow down, to rest, to turn off the world, and turn on God. Come on, let me lead you in prayer right there where you are. Let's get the worship team up here. Father, in your name. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.